Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. I'm going to tell you something. I do, I do not tolerate religion. I do not tolerate a spirit of religion. This is not, you know, a lot of people think, well, it's a religious holiday. It's not a religious holiday. Jesus is alive. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a truth. It's a power. It's a revelation. Are you here this morning, church? You know, I think sometimes we, we realize, and as believers, we're all guilty of this. We just kind of go through the motions and have actions that we take. But I, I want you to know, Jesus paid a tremendous sacrifice for us to be here. And it's to do more than to celebrate a religious holiday. I'm not against Easter eggs. I'm not against Easter bunny. But I'm telling you, it's about more than that. Yes. And listen, let me tell you this. Easter is about more than just your sins being forgiven. All right. That's important. That's vitally important. But Jesus paid a tremendous sacrifice. You know, I've been to the, the Garden of Gethsemane a couple of times. And in my mind, I always saw, how many of you know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus went to the cross, paid the price, that he knelt down and prayed and tried to get his disciples to pray with him. You follow me? Well, how many of you know they, they dropped the ball? You know, and, they, you know, they didn't really truly understand. But I, in my mind, I'd always seen Jesus, you know, just kind of going into the Garden of Gethsemane and just kind of going over and finding a rock somewhere and just kind of, you know, kneeling down. Well, let me tell you something, folks. It wasn't that way. And I've discovered, it might take me just a minute here to find it. I was reading it this week. Uh, it's in Matthew, I believe. In the, in the account that Matthew gives, let me, let me look it up, the note that I left myself. Matthew 26, at verse 39. And if you read this in the Amplified, I don't have the Amplified with me, but if you read it in the Amplified, it even says it more clear. Listen to this. This is the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus prays. And then verse 38, he says, He said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. And then at verse 39, he went a little farther, listen, and fell on his face. Everybody look up here. Jesus collapsed under the weight of your sin and my sin, of your sorrow and my sorrow, of your separation and my separation, of your rejection and my rejection, Jesus collapsed under the weight of our failure. He didn't just go in kind of nonchalantly and find him a neat little place and, and kneel down and pray. Jesus literally collapsed under the weight of our separation. Imagine, have you ever been in a place in your life where there was no peace? Where there was agony? Where there was total chaos? 
Jesus took that for every human being that ever lived. It is amazing that he didn't die before he ever got to the cross. Just from carrying the weight of our sin and our rejection. We need to thank God and be grateful today for everything that Jesus has done for us. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to tell you, without the cross, there is no resurrection. Unless Jesus dies, there is no resurrection from the dead. So I want you to say with me this morning, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. I don't know how many of you saw it on the news, but I did that this past week. Al-Qaeda just released a new video. And it was really interesting when I saw the translation of what they said. And I want to quote what they said. They said, we must, Al-Qaeda said this, we must eliminate the cross. The bearer of the cross is America. There are a lot of people in America who don't know the value of the cross, but at least our enemy does. Yes. Satan knows the value of the cross, and I have to say this too, just a little insert here. Seems that Al-Qaeda and the ACLU are in agreement on this one. The ACLU wants to do everything it can to eliminate the cross from every public place in America that it can. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to preach the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. I, Paul said, I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. My speech and my preaching were not worth persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit con uh, colluded together. They got together and they did everything they could possibly do to bring about your redemption and my redemption. And if you are here today and you do not know Jesus, this needs to be your day of salvation. This needs to be the day when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. At the incarnation, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there. The baptism in the Jordan River, the public ministry of Jesus, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the Pentecost. Every person of the Godhead was passionate about one thing, and that is seeing that you and I were redeemed. Seeing that God was going to make a way for us. How powerful and awesome it is when we realize that Christianity should be a discovery. A discovery of what was really accomplished for us by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and then when He raised from the dead. Somebody say amen. amen. Because here is what happens. A great exchange takes place. A great exchange takes place. Because all the evil do by justice to come on us came on Jesus. So that all the good due to Jesus earned by his sinless obedience would be make of, made available to you and me. If you're hurting and you're suffering today, you don't have to be. Nine things took place. And I'm teaching on this on Wednesday nights, by the way. You need to come out so you can get it amplified. 
because I can just barely scratch the surface here. Jesus was punished that I might be forgiven. I want you to say with me, Jesus, Jesus was, punished was punished that I might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that I might be healed. Say it, Jesus. Jesus was wounded that I might be healed. I won't make you say all of these. Jesus was made sin with my sinfulness that I might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died my death that I could share his life. Jesus was made a curse that I might receive the blessing. Jesus endured my poverty that I might share his abundance. Jesus bore my shame that I might share his glory. Jesus endured my rejection that I might have his acceptance. And my old man was crucified with him that the new man might come to life in me through the power of the resurrection. Somebody say amen. Amen. You'll never be able to find a reason to explain why this happened apart from the fact that God just loves us so much. I want you to say with me today, God loves me. me. He sent Jesus Jesus. to show me me. his love. love. Now, if you've got an electronic device, open them and go to your U version because you're going to have more material there today that we're going to talk about for just a few moments than you are on just on your printed page. There's no way to explain this apart from the love of God. Why does he love us? The Bible doesn't, doesn't offer us an explanation. And you know what? We'll spend eternity finding it out, discovering why and how he loves us so much, Michael. He cares for us. He loves us just that much. He doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want us to carry our sin. He doesn't want us to carry our sorrow. He doesn't want us to carry our burdens. He doesn't want us to carry our separation. He doesn't want us to carry our pain. Jesus came so that we could be set free from all of that. We only many times see it as, oh, he only came to set us free from our sin, but there's so much more to it than that. Look at your neighbor and say there's more. You know, and we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. And there is nothing that we can do to warrant this incredible sacrifice. It was just a simple choice of God's love and his grace and his goodness. So if you're following me along on your U version, you'll see some of these scriptures. You know, how many of you know that we were one time, the Bible says we were once enemies, at one time we were enemies with God. God wasn't our enemy, but we were his enemy. And so Jesus came to set us free from sin. He came to set us free from the curse of sin. But Colossians 1.21 says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, yet now he hath reconciled. Thank God. God solved the problem by making peace through that right there in the center of this house called the cross. Colossians 1.20 says this, And heaven made peace through the blood of Jesus, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. But here's the thing. God God not only set us free and redeemed us, Jesus not only took our sin, but Jesus also took the curse of the law. Amen. So that we wouldn't have to bear it. You know, how many of you... 
most of us in here, charismatics in here, we were Bible-believing, bless God, hallelujah. I've got the promises working up in there in me, and I'm, you know, man, Deuteronomy 28, I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out, and I'm blessed here, and I'm blessed there, and I've done that, hallelujah, and I had, didn't realize what I was doing. Well, it's quiet in here this morning. Don't get me wrong, I believe in Deuteronomy 28, but you better go back and read it again. Because once I got to looking at Deuteronomy 28, you know what? I made a discovery. The only part of Deuteronomy 28 that I personally qualified for were the curses, not the blessing. Because according to Deuteronomy 28, I didn't even make it through verse 1, Brother Dick. It said you have to keep all the law. Have to keep every part of it. And then these blessings will come on you. And if you read the latter part of Deuteronomy 28, it says, if you don't, all these curses will come on you. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You better get up every day and thank God Jesus came. Because <laughs> I made a discovery. I do have the promise of Deuteronomy 28, but I've got it for one reason and one reason only. Jesus paid it all. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and therefore he qualified me for the blessings and not the curses. The next time you claim Deuteronomy 28, you better do it because of what Jesus did. Jesus not only paid for our sin, he took the curse of the law. He poured the curse of the law out on Jesus. This is what Jesus was going through in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was not only getting ready to bear the price of our sin, but also the curse of the law. Somebody say, but there's more. But you know, God desired more. And I'm going to tell you, this morning, maybe you're visiting with us today and we're so glad that you're here. But I'm going to tell you something. God desires more than just your sins be forgiven. God, God desires more than you realize that, that you realize that Jesus took the curse of the law. God desires, listen, to have an intimate and a personal relationship with you. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a divine daily interaction in your life and in my life. His ultimate goal, listen, was for us to experience his love, his life, and his acceptance. We could enter into a meaningful and ongoing relationship with him. And here's the thing. A lot of people have a relationship with their ideas. They have a relationship with their doctrine. They have a relationship with their beliefs. But they don't have a relationship with him. That's right. I'm telling you, Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with him. Meaningful relationships require two things. They require time and they require effort. And here, here it is. A lot of people would prefer, Brother Scotty, just give me a few rules to keep. That is not Christianity. 
Oh, I said, that's not Christianity. Give me a bunch of rules I can keep. Give me a bunch of things I can do and I can just check off my list. I'm going to tell you, Christianity is a life. It's alive. Jesus came out of that grave alive and he is living in us through the power of his spirit. And he desires dynamic interaction with us on a daily basis. God desires, listen, God desires a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants to live big inside you. He wants to carry you in your time of sorrow. He wants to get you through your time of pain. He wants to take you. Folks, listen. Who would pass up a deal like this? Jesus said, I'll suffer for you so that you don't have to. I'll pay the curse of the law so that you don't have to. I'll take the punishment for your sin so that you don't have to. Listen, not only that, turn to Isaiah 53. Good gracious. I know it's Easter, but folks, I got news for you. I'm going to preach like it's this every other Sunday, so just deal with it. Say, I love you, Brother Scotty. You hadn't said that in a long time. That was weak, but I'll take, I'll even take a few weak ones. Amen. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no former comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should des- desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. Anybody in here ever been rejected? Yes. You ever have anybody turn their back on you? You ever have anybody wound you in pain? You ever have anybody hurt you deeply? Wound you so deeply with words that you cannot even describe the pain that you have felt. Wound you so deeply with personal rejection that literally you couldn't sleep at night at times. And and you would go to sleep with tears in your eyes. Usually it's family. Usually it's someone who's very close to you. The the kind of wounds that hurt you, uh, that cause you to suffer this deeply are usually by those that are closest to you. Well, we see Jesus taking our sin... We see Jesus taking the curse of the law, but how many of us have ever seen Jesus taking our personal rejection, our personal hurt and pain? That is why he collapsed in the garden. That is why, listen, it says he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. The agony of every moment of rejection that you have ever faced in your life came on Jesus. Can you imagine? I'll be back at the Garden of Gethsemane again in June, and I can promise you it's going to feel different for me again this time. Because I'm seeing what Jesus faced as he agonized, literally, and sweated, as it were, drops of blood. Because of so much more that he was bearing in his body for you and me. He is despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Listen, and listen to this. And it says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. It was like he was so marred, so distorted, and he was in such pain that literally we had to look away. And I know most of you have seen the passion of the Christ. Even the passion of the Christ could not do it exactly like it was done. Let me tell you this, if we as a modern society were to execute someone today, 
like, Je like they did Jesus, you would never hear the end of it. Can you imagine today in our society someone who's going to the death chamber? Someone who's going to be executed. And here's how we do it to them. Before we take them in there, we beat them with a whip. We take a crown of thorns and we crush it on their head. Then we make them carry as long as they can until their strength gives out the very thing that's going to be used to execute them. But that's not all. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus not only took your rejection, Jesus took your humiliation. Because he was stripped naked. Oh. The humiliation. I'm the son who's been with the father from eternity past. I am the one who spoke and the worlds were created. God the father and the son and the spirit. They agreed together and they spoke the worlds into creation. And the very Son of God is humiliated by being stripped naked. I really believe that's probably why, Brother Norman, there was only about three ladies that were around for his people couldn't bear it for, for his crucifixion. And many of the disciples even turned away. Folks, let me tell you something. Jesus took every painful situation, every hurt, everything in your life that has plagued you and made you feel less than human, everything that has made you feel rejected, Jesus took it when He was on that cross. The sin problem had to be dealt with. The sin problem had to be dealt with. Yes, the sin problem in our lives has to be dealt with. But Jesus did so much more than that. He took the curse of the law. He took our rejection. Not only that, for every, every time we've ever not had peace in our lives, Jesus was suffering through that. Because he goes on to say, he was despised, he was rejected, we didn't receive him, we didn't really understand it. Surely he's borne our griefs. Yes. Anybody here ever been broken hearted? You ever lose a loved one? You ever lose someone close to you? You ever feel that pain and that grief? Jesus took it for every human being that has ever lived and ever will live. How he made it to the cross, Norval, I'll never know. Because of what was coming on him. He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken. Somebody say, but that's not all. My Lord, he took my sin. He took the curse of the law for me. He took my sorrows. He took my pain. He took my suffering. But that's not all. He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Everything I need in this life, Jesus paid the price for. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of every one of us. I want you for just one moment. I want everybody, believer and non-believer, to think with me today. What's the worst thing you've ever done in your life? Just for just a second. Jesus took that for you. He took it for me. And he took it for every human being that will ever live. Mind-boggling. Can't conceive it. Why? Why did he take it? Because it had, there had to be a price paid. Redemption had to come. And the only way for you and I to have peace and reconciliation with Almighty God was for that sin to be paid for. Jesus took every wrong thing you have ever done. He took your rejection. He took it all in his body on that tree. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of every one of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment. Who will declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked and with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus set us free from the curse. He took our place that we might take his place. Jesus did not come just to set us free from the results of sin. Listen, Jesus came so that you and I could not only be set free from our sin, but so that we could be put in the center of God's will for our lives. How many of you would say with me, I want to know God's will for my life? Who wants to know God's will for your life? Boy, I do. Hopefully every person in here would be willing to say, I want to know God's will for my life. I don't want to miss it. I want to know God's plan for my life. Jesus died to put you in the center of God's will for your life. But I wish somebody would say with me, but that's not all. <laughs> How many Life Church in this house, are in the house this morning? Life Church people. Would you say with me, that's not all? That's not all. Thank you. You sounded like Life Church right there. Praise the Lord. But that's not all. Jesus came to set us free from sin and the penalty of our sin. Jesus came to set us free, Pete, from the curse of the law. Jesus came to take our sin and our sickness. He came to give us peace. He came to heal our wounds. He came to bear our burdens. But that's not all. He came so that we can receive all of God's blessings and promises. What a deal. What a deal. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 3 that the weakness of the law was the flesh. 
Because the flesh was weak, man continually found himself in a place where he was worthy of the curses all the time. And because the flesh was weak, he found himself in a place where he could very seldom ever receive the blessings of the Lord. Because all of the law was based on the performance of man. But I got a, I got a great word for you this morning. All the new covenant is based on the performance of one man, and his name is Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. So the question is, is not, am I good enough? Is it, the question is, is God good enough? And I wish somebody would say with me, God is good, God is good. <laughs> all the time. Whew, hallelujah. That's why I can walk in Deuteronomy 28. And man, what a revelation it was for me when I've been, I've been confessing Deuteronomy 28 for years. And then all of a sudden I realized, hold everything, just a minute. I have not even getting past verse 1 of Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. To keep all the law, I better be in Jesus. We sang about it this morning. Oh, the wonderful cross. Oh, all that Jesus did. Jesus lived that sinless life. He paid the price for you and me. And all of the new covenant, listen, is the has its dependency on the completed work of Jesus. We participate in that work by faith. When Jesus said, it is finished. Listen, it meant, when Jesus said that, well, let me go back. Let me say it this way. Sometimes I can say, maybe I've got a job I'm doing, I'm finished. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the job's done right. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm finished, I'm done. Well, I got news for you. When Jesus said it is finished, what it, what it meant was this. It meant completely complete and perfectly perfect. When Jesus said it is finished, that meant, means there was nothing left out. Completely complete and perfectly perfect. We participate in that accomplished work that he did by faith. In the old covenant... Sins were covered. I got news for you. We don't ha just have sins covered in the new covenant. We have an exchange. An exchange that took my sins away and gave me Jesus' righteousness. I receive nothing from God on my own merit. I receive everything based on the promise of the finished work of Jesus. My confidence is not in my accomplishments, but in Jesus' accomplishments. It's not in works, it's in grace. Works say God owes. Grace and faith say God promised. Works say I can get God to respond to me. Faith or trust is my response to what God has already done in Jesus. These are only on your electronic version if you're looking in your notes. Works place the emphasis on what I've done. Faith places the emphasis on what Jesus has done. Works look to my righteousness for qualification. Faith looks to Jesus' righteousness for qualification. And the life that I now live is the exchanged life. Jesus received what I deserve. I receive what he deserves. He was made to be my sin. I was made to be his righteousness. He received the penalty that my sin deserved. I am receiving the blessing that his righteousness reserves. Deserves. I want you to say with me today, I am blessed. I am blessed. 
Man, what a powerful, powerful revelation. Jesus received the penalty that my sin deserves, and I am receiving the blessing that his righteousness deserves. Because he was rejected, I am accepted. And here it is. Because he was chastened before God, I have peace. If you don't have peace today, you need to be in Jesus. So I am qualified by him, and I receive everything that that inheritance by faith brings me. Not faith, listen, and I'm going to say this, and this is kind of strong, but I want you to hear it this morning. Not faith that says I'm able. Not even faith that says I have enough faith. But faith that says Jesus did it all. Because I'm in Jesus and I have his righteousness, every promise that God ever made to anybody in the Bible is mine. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God. And because I am free from works righteousness, I can rest in Jesus with no fear or dread. I am out of that, I begin to live a life of worship. Let me read you a scripture out of Psalm 25, 14 in the Amplified. Listen to this. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, who revere and worship Him. Listen to them. This, and He will show them His covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Man, when you fall in love with Jesus, when you know that your sin is forgiven and gone, taken away, when you know that He has bore all of this in His body on that tree, when you know He's risen from the dead and that new life lives in you, you'll live a cleaner life, a more pure life. You'll want to worship Him, and as you worship Him, the secrets of the covenant are revealed. And I'm talking about the new covenant. You need to thank God for that new covenant. You need to thank God for that new relationship that we have. Because we are free from that, we can't help but give Him thanks. We can't help but worship Him. Because I know I'm righteous, my heart desires righteousness. And because I know I am free from sin, I am confidently compelled to stay free from sin. Why should I sin? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And sin no longer has dominion over me. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. Our services are held on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.